Thank you, Natalie. Good morning. So I went to Eastern Illinois University, just three hours south of Chicago, and I thought that I would be following in my parents' footsteps. My dad was a counselor in social work, and my mom was a social worker working with foster kids, and so entered the, the psychology program and majored in psychology. And the head of the psychology program, Dr. Best, he was, uh, he taught some of the harder classes like statistics, I hated statistics, and cognitive psychology. However, um, we had, cognitive psychology is pretty hard, but we had an advantage because our professor actually wrote the textbook that we were reading from. That was a really good. I still remember him saying, I take great delight in my textbook causing consternation and struggle and stress for psychology students across the country because they were using his book. And indeed, his book was really confusing. The, the concepts were really challenging. And yet he did his best to, uh, to explain all that he had written, to kind of get behind what he'd written. Uh, we have been in a series called Lost in Translations, and I am proud of you as a congregation. You've hung in there with us. We've kind of dug deep a little bit, and it's gotten a little bit of scholastic-y, a little bit academic-y, and yet we've been there. You guys have been asking questions. You've been hanging in there, and I want to encourage you with this word. I believe that if you were stranded on a desert island all by yourself, and all you had was a Bible, no, no commentaries, no, no study Bibles, no supports and helps, no internet, no other translations, none of all the tools that Jedediah and I have been talking about. If you had none of those, I think that you would be just fine on that desert island. In fact, I think that you would be better than just fine. Do you know why? Thank you, Mike. Because you have the one who wrote the textbook. That you have the author of it all. And in this amazing and incredible promise, Jesus plans that he says, listen, I'm going away. We're going to read that in just a, a moment in the Gospel of John, if you turn there with me right now, that, that he says, even though I'm going away, I'm going to give you the author of the text. Now, it's a deep conviction of mine. This will probably not come as a surprise to many of you. That I believe that in almost every area of the Christian life, there is an incompleteness in many of our thinking because we're not asking the Holy Spirit question in every area of our life. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that, that the Spirit of God is given so that we can live by the Spirit, so we can keep in step by the Spirit. But oftentimes, whether it's our, our marriages, whether, whether it's our careers, whether it's school, that, that we fail to ask and say, how does the Holy Spirit relate to our marriage? How does the Holy Spirit re relate to the raising of our kids? Do you think it's appropriate that we should ask, how does the Holy Spirit relate 
to Scripture and us becoming people of the book? Absolutely. We need to ask and say, what is his role? And then as was prayed and shared by Veda and, and Natalie, how do we cooperate with him? We've got this advantage. We've got the author. How do we take advantage of the presence and the power of the Spirit in our lives? So let's read together John 14. We're going to start. This is where Jesus is explaining. He's preparing his disciples that he is about to go away. And then he shares this promise, the, the promise of the Father. John 14, we pick it up in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Let me just read that verse 20 again. Just take this in. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. There's a whole lot of love in that verse, isn't there? Let me read that verse again. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Can we just pause for a second and pull back and say, <laughs> what incredible words of Jesus, like, how did he come up with this idea? It just, like, that's amazing. I, I wonder, now, now uh, Judas Iscariot, he's going to ask a question, but I wonder if there were at least one of the apostles who are listening to these words and going, what? What did he just say? How is that? Like maybe Bar Bartholomew, he never gets any press, right? I wonder if he was like thinking like, did you got awesome? Like, we're going to miss you, Jesus? Yeah, that's, but awesome. Like, we get the spirit of God with us and in us. And we're going to experience the love of the Father in us and with us. And you're going to love us and we're going to be in you and you're in the Father and the Spirit's in us. Awesome. 
I want you guys to think about two Greek words this morning that help us to kind of unpack and think about these words. These Greek words are, are in the text here. And the first one um, is, is from verse 17. It's the, the title that he calls the Spirit. He says, he says the Spirit, he calls it the Spirit of truth. Aletheia. That's the Greek word, aletheia. Look at your neighbor and say, aletheia, aletheia. It means simply truth. And when Jesus is using this word in regards to the spirit, he's not talking about a truth. He's not talking about a circumstantial truth. He's not talking about a truth that changes based on culture or country or gender or race. He's talking about an eternal truth, a truth that is true in all circumstances. He isn't saying, folks, the Spirit is going to speak His truth. So just let Him... It might not be true for you, right? Depending on your circumstance, but just let Him speak it and see what... It, that's not what He's saying. He's saying the spirit of the living God is truth. He is the source of truth. All truth in the world, in every circumstance, in every country and culture, for every single person on the face of the earth, the Holy Spirit is the source of truth. Let me give you an example. Jesus, right? The identity of Jesus. That is not circumstantial. Jesus either is or isn't the son of the living God. Jesus either is divine or he's not. There is this truth of reality, regardless of the faith system in which we might have been raised up and lifted up, Jesus, his identity is true in all circumstances. I want you to think about the word revelation, the revelation of God. Part of the role of the Holy Spirit, what what Jesus is saying in these circumstances is that this spirit of truth is going to reveal in all and every circumstances not only who Jesus is, but who God the Father is. So there's something in scholarship called general revelation and specific revelation. I want us to to think about that. General revelation and specific revelation. You can look at your bulletin outline and, and see that there, and there's this idea that general revelation is a revelation of who God is. Psalm 19 is classic. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. All of creation is declaring who God is. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, 
His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I think this is especially clear here in Colorado Springs. Yes? We, I drive into church this morning, just like I usually come in, uh, um, heading west on Woodman. You see what? Pikes Peak. I mean, it takes my breath away every day. It's like this postcard, this, this beauty. It takes in and God, I go, wow, God is amazing and incredible, awesome, and huge. His majesty, his glory, his power revealed through creation. Some of you have seen the Grand Canyon, right? Uh, felt like I was changed forever when I looked over the Grand Canyon. I was like, what? Ah, the immensity. The Spirit of God speaks through creation. I was thinking of uh, Charles Darwin. Kind of funny that I would quote Charles Darwin. But he said this, to suppose the eye with all its immutable contrivances for adjusting, he's focused on the the human eye, uh, adjusting the focus to different distances for admitting different amounts of light and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I confess, absurd in the highest degree. I agree with Charles Darwin in that, yes! He's not talking about the immensity of creation. He's looking at the detail of the human eye. And he's like, to think that was was random without this intelligent design, yes! It's a praise God. Did you know that the Spirit is the source of creation? Do you know that the Holy Spirit was involved? Well, it's really a a Trinitarian affair, but if you go back to the first couple of verses of Genesis, go ahead and turn there, and you, you see the Trinity at work, that in the beginning was God, and he created the heavens and the earth. And then, verse 2, we see the earth is formless and empty, and there's a darkness there. Guess who is hovering over the world? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings life. And then, verse 3, God speaks And he creates. Who's the word of God? Jesus. That was an easy one. Yes. So we see the Trinity right there forming and shaping all of creation. And here's the point, friends. The author of creation... Who is the who's pouring forth truth from all of creation is living inside of you if you are a Christian. Awesome. Awesome. This spirit. Now, that is general revelation. There's also specific revelation, and very two forms of specific revelation to talk about. 
kind of three, but first is this, Scripture. Creation is revealing the attributes of God, kind of generally, his power, his divine nature. But then the specific revelation is understood as revealing specifically things like God is merciful, God is kind, God is loving, God is just. And we see that through first and foremost his scriptures, what we have been talking about this many weeks, why we wanted a series just focused on how do we become people of the book, how do we press in, how do we understand. It's because the scriptures aren't just some sacred book, they are the specific revelation of who God is, who we are, and how he created us to be, and how we are to live as we read these pages. These verses and these words, the Spirit fills it. That's what it means that the Scripture is living and active. The the Holy Spirit fills these verses and fills us. Whether you're in your living room or stranded on a desert island, with no tools whatsoever, the Spirit of God fills the texts. Right? We read 2 Peter first. 21, for prophecy never has its origins in the human will, but prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, the Spirit of God is the author not only of all creation, but the author of Scripture. I like how Ezekiel puts it. He says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon me and he told me to say, this is what the Lord says. Directly, what is happening there directly is Ezekiel is saying the spirit of God was upon me, filled me, and so I, I spoke. And that's why we have the book of Ezekiel is God was revealing through the pages of scripture. Friends, here's the point. The Holy Spirit who inspired every word and verse of scriptures is living inside of you. Awesome? Yeah, that's a good hua, I would say. Also, there's a, a second form of specific revelation, and that's Jesus. And I want to argue, now stay with me on this one, that the Holy Spirit is the author of Jesus, at least his humanity. Now, don't get lost on that one. Let's just unpack it. Do you remember when the angel Gabriel comes to the Virgin Mary and he says, you're going to be found with child? Mary has a question, somewhat of an objection. What was that? Does anyone remember? It's impossible. Why was it impossible? Not married. Uh, uh, not married, but furthermore, she was a virgin, right? She's like, uh, issue with this plan that you have is I'm a virgin. Do you remember how Gabriel answers her? Listen to this. Then the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High 
will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now how all that overshadowing <laughs> worked, that's a mystery, of course. But even Jesus, at least in his humanity, the Spirit of God was at work bringing forth the humanity of Christ. Jesus really came to us because of the Spirit. How you resolve that mystery, that, that's not my focus, but here's the point. The Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary, that brought forth Christ Jesus, is living in you. How did he come up with that idea? That, that incredible and amazing truth. Finally, I want to talk just about revelations today. The revelation that we have. That uh, When I would say this is another form, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's a fresh word that God is speaking today, all right? When, in fact, the Apostle Paul will use revelation, the word revelation, when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how we live the gifts of the Spirit in community and in church today. And he says this, Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, it's a gift of the Spirit, what good will it be for you unless I bring you some, that's where he uses it, revelation. That's a apocalypsis, apocalypsis. Or knowledge, gnosis. Or prophecy, prophesia. Or word of instruction, didache. Right? First and foremost, that, that word revelation, that apocalypsis is the same word that's used, for example, in the last book of the Bible called Revelation, Apocalypsis, right? So the Spirit, it's a gifting of the Spirit. There is a revelation that is coming in real time to the Corinthian church, and you would say, Paul saying today, until Jesus returns... There is a revelation or a teaching or a knowledge, word of knowledge or a word of prophecy that's coming. Important question, did Paul think when the Corinthian church got a word of knowledge or revelation that this revelation would end up being part of the New Testament canon, would be a part of our Bible? A little bit deeper? I want to suggest no. Uh-uh. In fact, in other places, he says, when someone has a word of knowledge or, or a teaching, test it. Test it according to this and hold on to the good. There's a difference there that Paul wasn't assuming and we should not assume. It's a different form. It's a fresh revelation 
that needs to be not simply tested and studied as the word of God like we do with the Old and New Testament, right? When, um, so that was a word from Veda that she shared, right? Was that scripture that she shared? It was rooted in scripture, but it wasn't scripture itself. We don't write it down. That, that's been done. When, when Kurt, Elder Kurt, comes up and shares a word of knowledge, or, or Robert, as they have done, right, is that scripture? No. We, we test it. That's it. But it's revelation. It's a fresh word, but in a different way. My teaching here this morning is that scripture. Of course it is, yes. No, it's not. Hopefully it's rooted in scripture. It's flowing from the truth. But we test it. Do you understand? So, so there's specific revelation that the spirit is working through his gifts today. That we listen to, we take in, and we test. Here's the point, friends. That same Holy Spirit that is speaking fresh words that are giving a teaching or a revelation or a word of knowledge, that very same spirit, you should know, lives inside of you now, is present, is active, is living. His voice is speaking to you. His voice might be speaking to you regardless of what I'm saying. Isn't that really cool? That's comforting as a preacher. <laughs> that he might have a word for you and you might have read John's passage and you're getting something completely different out of it. That's okay. The Spirit is living and active. He is wanting to draw you in and speak to you. Sometimes using Pike's Peak. Sometimes using the human eye. Sometimes using a picture of Jesus. Sometimes using his scriptures revealed. Sometimes a word of knowledge. But the Spirit of God is living in you. And there's an activation that is happening. If you're paying attention. If you're listening. If you're watching and if you're praying. All right, the second Greek word I want to teach you is in verse 14. Verse 14, he says, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 16. He says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will give you the, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That word is simply parakletos. Parakletos. It's the Greek word. Look at your neighbor and say parakletos. And it's translated here as advocate. And I would say I would probably translate it slightly different based on the context of John 14. Because if you go on Look at, keep your, uh, look at verse 23 going on. Jesus goes on to teach about the Holy Spirit, and he's going to use the word, again, parakletos. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and 
we will come to them and make our home with them. Awesome. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken to you while still with you. But the advocate, Paracletus, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This Paracletus is our teacher. He is our mentor. He is our counselor. He is our instructor. I even thought of study buddy. Is that going too far with that idea? He is saying that he will walk, he'll be your tutor. He will tutor, tutor you in the word. He will instruct you and disciple you as you seek to open up the pages of scripture. Yes, I, this is important, friends. And really what's important is how do we take advantage of this? How do we utilize this? How do we, as Ben shared, cooperate with the spirit of Christ. My first suggestion is this. We ask for some personal attention. Did you know that you get to ask God for some personal attention? Don't tell me you can't after he's talked about the love of the Father and making his home in you and you're in him and he's in you and the Father's in Jesus and all that. Yes, we get to ask for that personal attention. Going back to, to college... I was in a child psychology class and the, the teacher approached me and she said, Eric, there is a student that's struggling a little bit. Could you come alongside him and, and walk with him? Sure, so we met. It turned out to be the running back for our football team, Go Panthers. And I was like, no, I'm the nerd that's tutoring this jock and I wanna be the running back. But I got past that. I had a little bit of bitterness in my heart. So I gave him notes from the wrong class. That's what I, no, I did not give him notes. Right? I gave him my notes. We talked about some things. And, and, and we got him through the class. But the idea is he went to the professor and said, I'm struggling. Help. We get to do that with the Holy Spirit. Do you know you get to pray to the Holy Spirit? It's the Spirit of Christ. Yes, someone knows that directly. We get to say, Spirit, help. I'm wrestling. I mean, we get to do that with everything, not just understanding your scripture. If we, but if we get to scripture, we don't understand, we can say, Spirit, I don't, I, I don't get this at all. Would you disciple me in this? But by the way, going back, we get to ask the Spirit's personal attention in everything. I'm wrestling in my marriage, Spirit. Help. I'm wrestling with the, the stress that I'm facing. I'm feeling overwhelmed with all these kids. Help. This, this career, this job, 
Help, Holy Spirit. Would you, would you speak to me? I don't know what I, I... What about a decision? Do you ever say, hey, Holy Spirit, I just, I'm confused. I need discernment. Please speak to me. You know, I've realized that sometimes he gives revelation pretty instantaneously when I do that. Sometimes I'll be, I'll, I'll be jogging and I'll ask, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to hold this before you. It's listening prayer. And just see what comes to mind. Sometimes it's issues that the Spirit wants to talk about that I don't really want to talk about. There's my sense that we need to talk about this before I can figure out this. Yeah? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. That, that we get to just, listen, just recently I was asking a question and I didn't hear anything. I just was moving on and then I was doing something completely different and I got a revelation for the question I was asking. Now I'm going to test it Test it with others. I got that that word, that revelation. We get to do that with Scripture. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the ordination of women for elders and pastors, and as a church, we were wrestling with that, and I said, Holy Spirit, I don't get it. Help. He did not answer right away. It took years and years and years of praying and discerning and wondering and asking and listening and him highlighting and bringing truth of Scripture together in that way. I would encourage you to listen and then discern. Jesus gave this promise, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He has promised to be our shepherd. He has promised that we will know his voice. I think the challenge is, is discerning his voice from all the others. We, we've talked about this before, but it's, it's good to be a reminder that there is a number of voices going around in our heads. Sometimes it's a voice of the world or, or maybe our childhood where if there was ever a, a repeated voice that's going on and sometimes that voice from your mom or dad or from the world, that can be either good rooted in scripture, it can be true, or sometimes it can be bad and very damaging. And we want to reject, identify that as bad, and reject it and not listen to it. Sometimes it can be that self-talk that we have. Does anyone talk to yourselves? Yes? All the time? Did you know your self-talk can be good or bad? Oftentimes it's bad. And it's full of lies and deception. And we need to stop that self-talk. We need to identify it, recognize it. If it's good, then yes. If it's bad, then we reject it. There's another voice in the world, and that's the voice of the enemy. And remember, Jesus called him the father of lies. It's never good. It's always bad, always deceptive. We need to recognize it, identify it, and reject it right away. Amen? And there's a fourth voice. 
Who is the fourth voice? The Holy Spirit. And it's always good. It's all, his voice is always truthful and right. We need to identify it, recognize it, and live it and, and allow it to act to be activated in our lives. The Apostle Paul talks about us being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that he talks about it in two ways? First, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, he says, when we gather here together as a community of faith, there's something really special that happens. That when we gather, we become the temple of the living God. Just like in the Old Testament, they had the temple in Jerusalem. But now in the New Covenant, as we gather, there's this dynamic of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We become the temple. Again, awesome. Amazing. But then he says... Individually, he's talking about the individual and he's talking about our wrestle with righteousness and sin. And he says, don't you know that you personally, individually, are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that he resides in you? Look at your neighbor and say, this body is a temple. No matter what we look like, Try not to chuckle spouses when your husband says that to you. No matter what we look like, he's saying this, this body, that should matter. He's saying when it comes to righteousness or sin, when you're living, it should matter that your physical body is where the Spirit of Christ resides today. Live differently in that way. The voice, what's the voice that's predominant in your temple? That's a good question. Is it your self-talk? Probably for many of us it is, isn't it? It's the talk of our background, how we were raised. For some of us, we're struggling with the voice of the enemy. As we become people of the book, the goal is, is that we would allow the predominant voice of the Holy Spirit to be the one that's echoing and resounding. And there's truths that we live by, that we root our lives in, that we use the, the voice of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Holy Spirit to reject the lies that we're, that we're hearing from the world. That we wouldn't just be people of the book, that we would be people of the author of the book, that we would be people, the author of our very lives, of all of creation. So we get to ask for personal attention. We get to pay attention and discern his voice. We get to walk in that way. We get to pray, Holy Spirit, help me to discern your voice. Would you activate your truth? You are the... The, the spirit of truth, would you activate that truth in my life? Help me to stop living or making decisions based on lies and mani manipulations. 
Help me to trust you with that truth. Secondly is to study the word. I know that Jedediah and myself, we've thrown a lot of academics at you. But at the end of the day, we want to study this revelation, I'm calling it devotionally and relationally, unlike any other book that we would open, unlike my cognitive psychology textbook. We want to open and listen for the word of God being revealed and taught. Again, when I was a freshman, I started spending just 15 minutes in this, and at day after day, and then I'd go to my classes, 15 minutes, go to my classes, 15 minutes, go to my classes, and I began to realize I am getting a better education in life through 15 minutes than all the classes I'm taking combined in college. Yes? I was reading, um, I was uh, looking at, it's a Relevant magazine. Some of you have heard of Relevant magazine. It's kind of the younger, hipper version of Christianity today. And because I'm young and hip, I read it. (laughs) Just note the sarcasm there. My kids are noting it well. So they were talking about, they were saying um, five ways Christians read scripture poorly. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's good. That's it. I'll start verse, the, the fifth one they said was, you cherry pick Bible verses. You disregard everything that Jedediah and myself have said. <laughs> and you want to prove a point. So you find a scripture outside of context or anything. You just, uh, here's a Bible verse to support this. Fourth is this, you only read scripture to argue with other Christians. I might not have any friends, but by golly, I'm right. right? Again, not the best way to read scripture. You read a translation that you don't comprehend. Sometimes I just say, hey, what translation do you have? Oh, you know, well, we were raised with King James. Do you get it? Do you? Do you comprehend it? Yeah, not really at all. But if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me, so I'm going to... No, right? Just get a modern translation. And then the last two is kind of combined. You don't... You read out of duty rather than devotion. And you only read the Bible for information and facts. They're saying, that's a bad way. It's a bad way to read scripture. We should be reading it devotionally. We should be reading it, trying to hear the voice of God, learn the truths of God, so when we come across a lie in the world, we can go, you know, that's not right. That, that, no, that, that's wrong. Because I read, and go back to that. We should be reading as it's living And it's active, and the Spirit of God fills. Returning to John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will not leave you as orphans. The world won't see me, but you will. The Father will love you, and I will love you. 
Does that sound like academic language? That's so personal. That's so loving. That's God saying, I love you. I want to teach you how to flourish. I want to teach you how to to handle your kids in this moment. I want to teach you to to live right when you're being persecuted. I want to teach you to to love well, especially your enemies. I want to disciple you because I love you. And I want to make, I mean, it's just like inconceivable to even say the Lord wants to make his home in you. He wants to call your life his dwelling place. He wants to hang out with you and speak to you and love you, disciple you and care for you, fight you. Leave you with this final scripture. It's from Isaiah 11 talking about the Holy Spirit. I thought it was relevant. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, talking about Christ, but true of us. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Think of that. The Spirit of the one true living God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit who is part of forming every aspect of creation, the Spirit who was who is shaping and forming the very scriptures that we hold in our hand, the, the Spirit that hovered over Mother Mary and, and, and brought life, at least to the humanity of Christ Jesus, the Spirit that, that speaks a fresh word of knowledge and revelation and, and teaching, that Spirit wants to give you understanding and counsel and wisdom. And the result of all that is a reverence, a love that we would walk with God in this reverence and love. So let's just ask. I'm going to invite the elders forward, uh, the uh, uh, prayer leaders forward, and just if you want to just pray And just ask for personal attention and ask, Holy Spirit, would you please speak to me? Would you be the voice in my head, Holy Spirit? Would you come and fill me with your counsel and your wisdom and your knowledge?